Hi everyone, Nathan here. Thank you for checking out this episode of The Back Peg. Just before we get going, we've had a couple of audio issues for today's pod as well as yesterday's, which I'm sure you've heard. The good news is, is that we have worked out what the problem was and we have fixed it, but for today's recording, it did come too late. So hopefully it's not too bad. Thank you very much for checking it out and here's the rest of the show. Enjoy. Hi, I'm Nathan Gould. And I'm Lazarus Kromos. And this is the Back Eggs Daily Doha Special for the World Cup Episode 12. And this episode is brought to you with a little sponsor by the Blue Samurai and the Atlas Lions. They're the two big stories from that night. Incredible. Incredible day of action in Qatar. What a remarkable World Cup this is turning out to be. We've got so many upsets now. I'm losing count and losing track of all the upsets that have happened in this group stage so far. And we've still got one more match day to come. Perhaps we can get another surprise. But from Purely from a football's perspective, this World Cup is going to be one to remember. Yeah. I think that can be put down to two things. One is the time of the year that it's being played. I think that's become a great leveler as the as the World Cup has gone on. So I think there's, you know, I've got no problem with what time of year the World Cup is played generally. Although we do have, did have our reservations about Qatar hosting this World Cup for various other reasons as well, right? But um, the other reason is that the quality of football seems to be uh, better because the world has come closer together with regards to football. Yes, there are heavyweights, but anybody can beat anyone on any given day. And the craziness of this morning, especially in Group E, which we'll go through shortly, just re- it just reflects that. Yeah, remarkable. In the last two days, we've lost three nations in the top 10 rankings from this World Cup. We lost the number two nation, which I thought was a false ranking anyway. The world has come closer, very much so, in the the new era of football. And we're seeing the results out on the pitch. It is remarkable, some of the outcomes. And we have one more set of games to go tomorrow morning. But already, this knockout bracket is looking incredible. And there's so many tasty matchups. And we'll get stuck into it. Yeah, no, just to your point, though, just before we kick off like uh, with the action from this morning, who would have thought, let me pose this question to you, we didn't think that an Asian nation would win a group and an African nation would win a group in this World Cup. We were hopeful of it, but none of them, like, neither of us, and I don't know anyone, you know, my group of friends and online and all that, where somebody predicted Japan would win Group E, which obviously has turned out to be a group of death, and Group F would be won by Morocco. It's crazy. We were We were hopeful that some teams could get through from Asia and Africa, but to win a group is... Incredible. And to have two from uh, away from Europe and South America is crazy, crazy. And it is a symptom of having the World Cup in the locale that it is, I believe. And conditions play a factor. And as well as the middle of the season, as we said earlier, the level of football is much closer. Everyone's match sharp. There's no real, um, there's no heavy fatigue like it would be at the end of a season. Yes, there's fatigue, but it's not to the same extent. And a shorter camp time. So you're forced to play, you know, you're forced to do things in training and look, you know, do your scouting, do all that in a condensed time. And I'm all for it. And I'm just so sad that this format of the World Cup is stopping with this World Cup. It really is a shame. This is the best format. There was some news on that today and we'll jump forward in the queue a little bit to what caught my eye. The initial thought for the 2026 World Cup is that we're going to have 16 groups of three with the top two advancing to a round of 32, which is not great. It would be one less game for the teams that got eliminated. And 
for the bigger teams makes the group stage largely irrelevant. What I saw today is that they're looking to scrap it. And a suggestion I saw was that we should have 12 groups of four. We have the best eight first places going through to the round of 16, and then the remainder of the first place, so four teams, and the runners-up have a playoff round. Sounds okay. It sounds a bit convoluted, but what I'll I do is this. Why not do the 12 groups of four and actually have a round of 32? So go with first and second place in each group, go through as they do now, and have the eight best third-place teams go into the knockout round. Yeah, I've seen that as well. And yes, you get more games, but for mine, the group stage... If you get a lot of thirds going through, what's that, eight out of 12 thirds, there's not really too much on the line for the group stage. There is, Nathan, I'll tell you what. And I remember, I remember your tally line. This is what happened uh, in a group with England. Um, can't, oh, there was a group, I can't remember, but there was a group where third place like was critical. I'll have to go back into it and, and, and research it. But your tally line, you had 24 teams and you had the, you had the best... Uh, four best third place teams go in and it's across the groups. So something that happens in group A, for instance, can affect the result of group G. So, you know, that's why I don't mind the, uh, eighth best place, to, uh, eighth best third place team. Jeez, it's hard to say this time of morning after you've been looking for the But yeah. That format that you mentioned from Italian 90 is what we have for the Asian Cup coming up next year. So. We get a, another trial run, perhaps, of well, another trial run. Not that we need trial runs, but an experience of that format. And maybe that's the way they'll go for 2026. I think either one that you suggested or the one that I mentioned, both of those are better than 16 groups of three. Oh, totally. Because there was the other suggestion this week that they're going to have to add penalty shootouts to the group phase to avoid two teams just agreeing for a draw in the final game when it's beneficial. No, I think that's an American... I don't want to stereotype Americanisms, but I think that is an Americanism where that has to be resolved. No, look, and to that point, I mean, I know we've kind of gone asked about face here with regards to our running order, but not that we're panicking, it just the conversation just flows, right? Um, to that point, what I would suggest is this. Look at the craziness of the Group F, sorry, Group E this morning with regards to Costa Rica being up 2-1 in the 70th minute. What a glorious three-minute period that was. I know, eh? I know. <laughs> and then Germany and Spain on the verge of being out, right? And then you've got Germany coming back. In an actual fact, Germany coming back helped Spain, yeah. right? Yep. And you, then you had, if Spain had, had scored, Japan, if the Japan it was all nothing, it was either first place or go home because Germany would have been ahead of all goals. They're head-to-head as a tiebreaker, comes in after goal scored. Yeah, so the only way Japan could have got second place is if they had a crazy score draw, like a 3-3 or something. Yeah. Even the way that it ended up with Germany getting a couple more at the end, that probably wouldn't have been enough. It's crazy. I think, but let's get cracking on, on Japan, Spain, because this game, like, we're talking about millimetres knocking Germany out, which is insane. Incredible. Absolutely incredible. Yeah, and I've got a point about the like off-field thing that caught my eye with regards to technology and ball, which I just came across uh, this morning. So, the World Cup introduced a new ball this year with a sensor that collects spatial positioning data in real time to make offside reviews more accurate. But the ball needs to be charged before each match. So, get your head around that. And I'm wondering, to that point, if if they implemented the use of that sensor for for the call on the goal one, for the the cutback, for the... Uh, Japan's second Yeah, perhaps they did. And I think because there was that wide shot as well of the byline that you could 
tell that it was just hanging on to the line. So either way, they arrived at the right decision, I feel. And afterwards, I saw a shot of the top-down camera angle, and wow, it is so close. It is. It's close. You couldn't complain either way. Like, if, I, if I'm Germany, I feel aggrieved. I think they've arrived at the right decision. I think they have come to the right decision just, right? Only because of, I think, the use of technology. Because if there's no technology, that ball's called out. It's playing on. Germany go through the World Cup and Japan as well. Amazing, amazing. What an effort from uh, Matoma to get over to that byline, not giving up on the ball. And it was the goal that won Japan the game, won Japan the group, and as you say, saving their bacon in the group at the same time because if that didn't happen, they were going home. Two goals in two minutes. Just think about that. Against the Spanish side, who have been pretty decent, and they started like, you know, they started with intent this morning. The first half was all Spain. They don't do it the easy way, do they, Japan? No. No, because some they made the change at, at half time and then they just started the second half with so much intensity and purpose like it was against the Germany. So are they a second half team? Perhaps, but geez, they don't do things the easy way. They lose the cost they could have secured a qualification last round, right? And they go just go ahead and beat two former World Cup holders. Just think about that for a second. It's incredible. Yeah. In the World Cup before. They've never beaten a previous winner and they've gone and done it twice in the space of a week against Spain and Germany. What a win for the Japanese. We could be sitting here saying they've got nine points if uh, they took the Costa Rica game with a little bit more focus. Perhaps we can say that now that given the, the performances against Germany and Spain, I think it's quite clear that they kind of glossed over the Costa Rica game. <clears throat> and amazing for an Asian team to go out and win this group, and they fully deserve it. They were brilliant against Germany, and they were the same again today. Spain, yes. In the first half, they looked good, Spain, but second half, they just lost their way, and it won't phase them at all in this tournament, because we'll come on to why, but it just got a little bit aimless for Spain. I don't know why Alvaro Morata went off. When he went off, they completely lost all sort of cohesive attacking output. It seemed to me that Luis Enrique wanted to play the false nine at that point and try and shift the defence with having a sense as a false nine, but it didn't work. The intensity of the Japanese defence and midfield, they would score all whatever Spain threw at them. I didn't see Spain scoring again after, like, you know, I didn't think Spain would actually score again after Japan went up 2 1. And the only real chance they had to, the only one that was sort of looking a bit questionable was that Danny, Danny Olmo one that was saved by Gonda, but he didn't catch it well at all. He didn't hit it well, and Gonda pulled off a good save. So, yes, congratulations to Japan. We love to see an Asian team get through. Uh, alongside Australia. Yeah, yeah. Great to see another Asian team through. I'm thinking of Sean Carroll this morning and seeing if he, I'm going to try and reach out to him and see if he's drinking black acai all night because, or all morning because uh, they deserve it. They need that, you know, party time in Tokyo because that's uh, well done, well done. And great to see uh, uh, Japan go through. Well, let's have a chat about Spain a little bit looking forward to this tournament. I alluded to the fact they won't be too downbeat losing this game. Yes, they want to win every game, I'm sure, but Finishing second in this group, it actually is going to be quite beneficial for them. I thought Germany were going to win this group, and Spain got through in second place on the favourable side of the draw. Didn't quite work out that way, but for the Spain team, it is the same. They avoid Croatia in the first knockout round, and they also avoid the side of the draw with Brazil and Argentina. Yeah, I think this could in turn work out very well for them, funny enough. I'm just still staggered that Germany is out. Second time in a row, and... Just back to Japan for a second. It's the first time that they've actually had consecutive, they've made it out of the group 
phase in consecutive World Cups ever. So they've normally gone through the group stage at one World Cup and missed out at the group stage the following one. So, um, yes, I just thought I'd make that, highlight that point. But with regards to Germany, twice now at the group phase, been bundled out and on the balance of things, deservedly so. You, you can't, you can't argue with that. They were better today against Costa Rica. They did sort of pile the goals on at the end once Costa Rica were done and dusted and it was kind of getting too big of a hill for them to climb. Germany did sort of stat pad a little bit towards the end there, but four points is kind of what they deserve, Germany, and not enough to get out of this group. They were poor against Japan, who are the group winners, of course, and yeah, they deserve to go home. And what sort of price are they paying now for this 2014 World Cup? Because consecutive group stage exits, it's, it's, it's crazy. The four-time World Cup winners going home again, and Hansi Flick, he was asked whether or not he would resign after this group stage following the game, and he didn't give an affirmative answer, but it wasn't a negative either, so perhaps he's looking for the exit door himself. Yeah, uh, look, I, I don't think it's in his hands, to be fair. I, I, I think he's contracted to the next Euros, but really, I mean, he's he can rebuild this side. Germany have enough depth of talent. It's just a question of that the other nations around the world are also coming up as well. Because you're Germany, doesn't mean that you've got a God-given right to get through to the semi-finals. You've got to learn that right, and, and football has a, way, has a way of leveling that out, and, and it is right now. It's incredible that we actually tipped in this group in this because we thought that they would actually do a number on Spain, but they only got a win today against Costa Rica, and you know a, a draw against Spain, and it's not enough. It's not enough for them. They, you know, Japan, quite rightly, deserve group winners. Spain, quite rightly, going through in second place. And in turn, have done themselves a favour because although I don't think Morocco is going to be easy for them. No, um, Morocco had a good win today. We'll come onto that shortly. But I want to ask you, Lazarus, how different would this group stage be if they had Timo Werner up front? It seems to me that they were just missing a clinical striker up front. And Timo Werner, yes, at his Chelsea days, was quite the opposite of clinical. But in Germany and for the national team, he has been quite good. They just were lacking that little bit of little bit of extra edge against the Japanese, which would have made the difference. Yeah, possibly. you're quite right there, Nathan. I think that's fair. I think um, Timo Werner is similar to Alvaro Morata uh, in that case. We'll call it the Chelsea curse because whoever <laughs> plays striker for Chelsea yeah, doesn't end up having a good season or, you know, tends to fail at Chelsea and they go to their national squads and generally play okay, except for one notable uh, mention this morning, which we'll get onto in a minute. You're right about Timo Werner and Germany. They did miss him in this World Cup. There's no doubt about that. But, you know, you had habits. There's no excuse. You had every. I mean, this side is stacked, right? So there's like, there's no excuse for them. They just need to go away and have a think about it again and, and have it, you know, have a look at their talent because they, they've got depth of talent to, you know, to the cows come home. They just weren't good enough. And they've got so many good kids coming through as well. Come 2026, Musial will be a mainstay of this team. So will Makoko. And, yeah, Musiala, he had a great game today. Couldn't quite find the back of the net, but he was fantastic. Standout player for Germany in this World Cup. I don't think it would be, but uh, Musiala's the standout player for Germany in this tournament. Shall we move over to the 2am games in Group F, Morocco over Canada? Yeah, let's do the most interesting one, which is Morocco versus Canada. That's more interesting than Croatia building. This was a nuts game. Morocco, they came away winners of the match, but Canada, they, they made it an entertaining match, I'll tell you that. And that, that first goal that Morocco scored was just calamitous at the back for Canada. And What is the keeper doing? I know he's had a shocker this week, but what is he doing? He wasn't good against Croatia, both on and off the pitch. No, 
But what is he doing in that instance against Morocco there? Like, you know, first minute, clear your line. Where is he going? And then the second goal from Morocco was cops it at the new post. He should have stopped that, to be fair. He should have stopped that. And yes, Morocco, 2-0 lead. They made it a little bit dicey later on as uh, Oged got on the score sheet for the wrong team. Yeah. Making uh, making him a joint top all-time goal scorer for Canada at the World Cup. <laughs> <laughs> and, and by doing so, stopping Morocco's clean sheet run. We did ask after match day two what would happen if they do concede. The answer is that they managed to uh, still come away with the three points. We'll see if they actually go behind in a game. That's the next question, whether they can bounce back. And they've got a tough test in Spain in the first knockout round. That's going to be a fascinating game, that one. A derby game, almost. Morocco bordering on Spain. Well, across the, um, yeah, across the channel, across the Mediterranean Sea. Ah, they've got a land border as well. Oh, okay, yes. Yes. There's a little bit of Spain at the top of Morocco. There you go. I forgot about that. There you go. Let's not get into geopolitics again. (laughs) Um, But yes, it sets up a remarkable game and Morocco have been uh, a nice surprise in this tournament. I was a little bit bullish on whether they could do something to get out of the group, but to win it is something that I didn't see coming at all. And they were fantastic and well worth their top spot in the group. And they're a real threat to this tournament, I feel. And they can go out and do damage against Spain. I'm not putting that down as a as a comfortable Spain win by any means whatsoever. And it is looking like a very tasty corner of the draw. We'll see what happens tomorrow morning as to who these teams would meet in the quarterfinal. But I think no matter who it is, whoever comes out, there's it's going to be so much action in this knockout phase. But more to the point, Morocco were fantastic today again. Canada gave them some trouble, but did shoot themselves in the foot effectively. Let's come over to Croatia against Belgium. A nil-nil, but how on earth did Belgium not score? Yeah. Look, I thought Croatia dominated most of the game, to be fair. I know, and I know that um, Belgium looks more threatening at times, but how Lukaku... Oh, jeez. Where do you start? And he was the Chelsea player I was referring to, previous Chelsea player I was referring to, with uh, not being able to get rid of his uh, strikers first because, jeez, he should have had a goal in this game, even off his chest. He could have had a hat-trick in this game. He was only on the field for um, for about 25 minutes, if memory serves, or 30 minutes. So, disappointing Belgium. And look, I think Lukaku actually reflects what I think of Belgium's World Cup campaign because they were... They're not the number two side in, in, in the world. I'm sorry. All right, FIFA, get your, rank, your rankings in order because that's just ridiculous. Well, they'll fall down the order now. Well, I can think of 10 European teams off the top of my head that would beat Belgium right now. And then some, probably. Yeah, I mean, come on. Like, and... Well, Croatia dominated uh, the midfield. They looked threatening. How that? What did you think? Make of the offside before the, you know that uh, overall the penalty decision? Oh, that was the tightest offside we've seen at this tournament, and it it does grind my gears a little bit. Offsides like that, and yes, there was a small portion of his shoulder that was in front of the last defender. But come on, this is a rule that was brought into football to stop people goal hanging, not a millimeter in front of the last defender. And for mine, yes. He is offside. To the letter of the law, he is offside. Just more of his sleeve happens to be more exposed than what the Belgian player does. I mean, come on. And we saw these offsides in top leagues in Europe last season. Mm. And then, particularly the Premier League, they've changed the rule to have a little bit of extra leeway. So you will get instances like the one this morning that would be given as onside. Yeah. Because we want more goals. We want more attacking football, right? Yeah. We want to see more action. And... Yes, we don't want to make it too hard for the defence, but 
moments like that should be given as onside, should be allowed to play on. Because yes, as I say, technically he's offside. But if a liner's not going to flag that, I believe no liner would flag that. Of course no liner's going to flag that. No chance. Because football's a game of human beings at the end of the day, and human beings make mistakes. And that's where pretty much every goal comes from, some form of mistake. So we should be allowing a little bit more leniency with the referees in that. And leniency of errors, leniency in margin of errors as well. And for mine, that's so harsh to give that as offside. How good is Fanny? I was thinking, well, tackle the toilet. Are you putting it above Harry Sutas? Yeah, I am. <laughs> that, that, that was, that's, that's just an insane tackle. And he's just, you know, he's shown how, how good he is with him, really, to be fair. And um, that was just a, an incredible tackle. Incredible tackle. Time to perfection. To be this good at 20 years old. Yeah, it's scary, isn't it? Touted as an almost 100 million pound player coming into this season. You can bump that price tag up some more now because he will be one of the best defenders in the world in a few years' time. Insane. Insane. What should we move to now? What should we move to now, Nathan? Laz, who is your player of the day for today? There's a fair few options. Yeah. Jeez, there are a fair few options. Player of the day today. It's not one really big standout, I I think, but the most significant moment, I would say. Actually, I'm going to go with Ryan Roller, that's up, and that that performance that he he, uh, he put together in the Croatian defence there. That's, uh, I mean, yes, there were goals that were going in and what have you, but I'm going to go with uh, Ryan Roller, only because of the importance of that, because, again, you know, Belgium were alive up until that point as well, and if they score, changes the complexion of the group. Yeah, great call, great call. Vardiol, a match-saving moment for Croatia. For mine, I'm going to go for Matoma, his effort to get that ball on the line. And yes, mentioned for Havertz getting on the score sheet a couple of times, but to no avail. And the moment for Group B today belongs to Matoma and the effort that he did put in to get that ball, not give up on it, cut it back and create that winning moment for Japan. Agreed. You got to play the whistle, and that's what he did. And credit to him. No, great, great ball. Shall we move on to tomorrow's action? The last of the group phase. Wow. I'm going to miss this group phase, but this has been an all-time group phase. This has been a good World Cup so far. Football-wise, it's been a great World Cup. And uh, I hope that the conclusion of the group phase with these group, you know, these group matches ending it continues the, the trend because they've been really good. They've been really good, these two groups as well. At 2 a.m. tomorrow morning, the Luis Suarez derby. Oof. Oh, wow. We'll just call it that because, and look, oh, and I saw Suarez actually at the press conference. I've seen it online, maybe at the press conference saying that uh, he has nothing to apologize for. And when, when you hear what he has to say, he's right. Just makes you feel more for us and Jam. Yeah, absolutely. That is the story of this game. 12 years ago, Ghana looking to become the first African team to make the semi final. Luis Suarez denies him that opportunity. He was rightly punished, and that's his basis for not apologizing. And he's completely fair to have that view. It all comes back to this game, though. Ghana, who were riding their luck at times, they were holding on. They were trying to weather the Korean storm on match day two. Ghana can secure their place in the knockouts with just a point, provided South Korea don't pile on the goals against Portugal. And there's a lot to play for. They're going to be so emotionally charged. I think you might see a tackle or two fly in on Suarez, given the given the feeling coming into this game. And this should be a barnstorming match. I'm really looking forward to this one. It should be so entertaining. Yeah, it will be entertaining, there's no doubt. Of that, there's no doubt it will be entertaining. I don't think Ghana can just use that emotion around that match at all. They've got to just block out that white noise and focus on the 90 minutes that they have in front of them and the opponent that they're playing will be playing because this is a different Uruguay compared to the Uruguay of 2010. Right? So they can't focus on what's happened 
in the past. Yes, it makes a great line for this particular match in, in the World Cup, but that happened 20 years ago. So I'm sure these uh, Ghana players aren't going to worry about it. They had an opportunity here to actually um, beat Uruguay, and I think they can. Yeah, Uruguay, the only side in this tournament yet to score a goal. With all the attacking talent they've got up front, they can score against Ghana. This Ghanaian defence, it was looking shaky at times against Korea, as well against Portugal, can be got at. There is goals here for Uruguay if they are good enough to go and get them. That's the thing, Lazarus, that you said before, that can they put the emotion to one side? Are they able to separate that moment 12 years ago with this moment here and this opportunity that they have? I think there might be some cards flying in this game. I don't think it'll end with uh, 22 players on the pitch. I think there will be that sort of tension in the game. It's just a case of whether Ghana can ride out the storm and control uh, the moment because it is there for them. They only need a point. They can't play for the point, though, Nathan. No, absolutely not. They cannot play for the point because they will get found out. And Uruguay, despite not scoring, do have still so much quality that will punish them. Yeah. Look, Uruguay um, have been playing too defensive for my liking, and I, but I don't see the manager changing that formation. So if they're going to be too defensive and go side to side and just move the ball laterally and, and not actually do anything with it, try and go forward, then the opportunities are going to present themselves for Ghana. So, and this Ghana side can move quickly. So, yeah, I think Ghana actually um, might uh, edge this one out. Yeah, I, I'm expecting a lot of goals, to be honest. It might be a similar situation to the Ghana-South Korea game. Right, I hope so. Which was wild. <laughs> it might be another 3-2 to Ghana. The alarms will be set. I might go Ghana just to edge it, but this could go any which way. I might go for a, a heavy, heavy goal-scoring attempt. I might actually go for another 3-2. Let, let's go for it. Another 3-2 for Ghana. I'm with you. Let's go for it. Portugal-South <laughs> Korea. Portugal are through to the knockouts. There's still a scenario where they can finish second in the group, but that is uh, requiring a bit of an upset and a lot of goals to go in. I can't see that happening. They will be top of the group. It's interesting to see how much Fernando Santos will rotate. Will we see a similar situation to France against Tunisia where the B team just can't live up to what the A team has been doing? South Korea, they've, they've looked all right, but they haven't been able to put together a 90-minute performance. It's going to be tough for them. They need to win South Korea and hope that Ghana don't beat Uruguay. Uh, I can't see them winning this game. I'll put maybe a draw, but I'll go for a Portugal win. I'd like to see South Korea win this game just for Asian football and the crowd, because the crowd noise when they scored against uh, Ghana the other day as well was just insane. But yeah, I see Portugal winning this game. I, I don't think Santos is going to do anything too major to the line because not that he's a throwing Brazilians yet, but well, why play them now? Right? So go go ahead, win this group, stick clear of Brazil and just go forward. We could be coming to a situation similar to this morning where come 70 minutes or so, we have South Korea winning, Uruguay winning, and it's coming down to goal difference for who secures second place. There's so much potential for drama in this group. Yeah, looking forward to it. Looking forward to it. We'll move over to the final matches of this group phase as we wave goodbye to this format. And what a way to round it out. It is Group G. It is Brazil against Cameroon. Cameroon needing a win. Brazil already through to the knockouts perhaps looking to secure top spot in the group as well. But it would be a remarkable outcome if they don't top the group. But the intrigue here is Serbia against Switzerland. Should we do Brazil Cameroon first? Yep, let's do it. Okay. I'm, I'm curious. Now, this is one thing, and this goes to show why I think, you know, the Brazil are deserved favourites. They're not my personal favourites, but they're in favourites. Look, look at the depth of this Brazilian side, and I think Tite uh, will look at uh, replacing the whole level. And they can still be. This was a line that was used about France a lot in the last couple of years, that France B, France C can go on and 
do amazing things. We saw what happened with France B yesterday. I think it's not the same case with Brazil. The Brazil second team is amazing as well. And there's so much quality in this team. One thing's for sure. Tito won't be playing people out of position like Deschamps did yesterday. Until we see Fred at left back. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, Bruno at left wing. Yeah, correct. Correct. Incredible. Yeah. No, I don't think that'll happen though. No, I don't think so either. But Brazil should should have enough in the tank to uh, take care of Cameroon, who do need to win and hope as well for a result that favours them in the other match. I can't see Cameroon putting too much trouble to the Brazilians. I think they will come away with winners, perhaps a 2-0, perhaps a bit closer. Perhaps there'll be a little bit of intrigue about this game specifically, but I do think Brazil round out winners. Maybe it's a But let's come on to the money game in this group. Serbia against Switzerland. It is all on the line here. And wow, Serbia absolutely need a win. A win will be enough for them, provided Cameroon don't do the business over Brazil. Switzerland, they just need to hold out for a point. And we know this Swiss team, we know they can hold out for points. I think Serbia are going to have most of the ball here because they're going to be have to be the ones on the front foot. I hope we see Vlaovic in this game. I was surprised that we didn't see him against Cameroon. Some rumors circling around on the internet, but they've been categorically denied. Um by the camp so perhaps it is just an injury concern for Vlaovic um, but we need to see him for Serbia if they if the manager goes with Vlaovic and Mitrovic up front they can score a hatful of goals and this game has potential to be a high scoring affair because they will commit bodies forward Serbia they will be open on the break it's just whether or not Switzerland can punish them can get up the pitch themselves and create some chances this could be a, a tasty game it's either gonna go one or two ways for mine it's either gonna be a nil nil or is it going to be a three-three or something like that? And I'm I'm going to opt for the latter just because um, just because I'm going to go for a two-two perhaps. Yeah, look, I think there are goals in this game. I don't know if it'll be a draw though, or I don't know if it'll be a Serbia win. I'm tipping a Serbia win. Uh, I think Serbia will get through to the, the round of sixteen, but I'm not doing it with a great deal of confidence because it wouldn't surprise us if uh, the Swiss did the job on the Serbians. The Swiss defence is pretty resolute, as we know. Um, going forward is a different question though because you know, they, they haven't been as potent in front of all. You look at uh, Serbia's defence and there are questions to be asked about uh, playing such a high line all the time, especially when you're up 3-1. Nuts. Nuts, right? So game management's a question there. On-field game management. Not so much from the manager. I think it's just on-field game management is the issue there from the players. But you're right though. If you're Serbia and, and if you're the Serbian manager, if you're Dragan Slodinic and you've got which is fit enough to start this game, you've got to play him in the trinage for at least an hour. Right? If they if they can manage to be at 2-0 or 3-0 within the hour, then happy days for Serbia. And this time sit deeper and try and defend, <laughs> not play off side traps. Yeah, def- defend the lead. You don't need to go and make an example of, of Switzerland, and you won't. You thought you might make an example of Cameroon, but you got found out, so... It wouldn't surprise me which way this game went, but I'm going to go with the Serbia win. I think I'll win too now. Mm, wow. I'll probably be wrong. <laughs> <laughs> so that will set up a Portugal-Serbia round of 16 match. Yeah, which should be good. Based off my tip, I've got Portugal and Switzerland. It should be interesting as well. I would like to see Serbia get through. I want to see them do the business yeah. and pick up the win. Absolutely. Because they're an entertaining team. They'll, they'll be great to watch, whoever they come up against. And... How good would it be to have Portugal-Serbia, given that Serbia qualified ahead of Portugal for this World Cup? How good would it be to see that play out again in the round of 16? And 
Yeah, and Brazil Ghana, I think, would be a great game for uh, the round of 16. Wow, that would be a wild game if it is Brazil Ghana. Looking forward to how it all transpires. The final round of Match Day 3, the final games of the group stage. It's been wonderful looking through all these games and all the drama that we've seen this week. What a remarkable World Cup it has been on the pitch and one that, from a football perspective, we will be looking back on for years to come. No matter what happens for the rest of this tournament, just this week has been fantastic. It's been a pleasure talking with you, Lazarus, throughout this group stage, every morning coming on here and having a podcast. And thank you very much for joining me. No, thank you very much for, you know, for joining us as well. I really greatly appreciate it. And I want to thank everyone for their interaction with us on Instagram and on Twitter and, and the messages and at the back peg. Thanks, everyone, for listening. And, um, yeah, looking forward to the final match day of the group phase and tomorrow morning we'll be talking about the Socceroos again while we're all crazy. Unbelievable. We didn't think we'd be here. Four matches for the Socceroos and let's hope it turns into five. We'll come on to that tomorrow morning. That, that's a that's a topic for another day. But for now, I've been Nathan Gould. And I'm Lazarus Take care, all.